Were the witnesses to the Book of Mormon reliable witnesses? We're going to talk about that next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? our purpose to encourage our viewers to check out what you believe and why you believe it. And of course, doing that, we discuss various topics for the purpose of challenging the credibility of the Book of Mormon and of Joseph Smith and of early Mormonism and of course, polygamy. People who live polygamy do so because of their firm belief that Joseph Smith was a true prophet of God and that the Book of Mormon is a product from God. Joseph Smith claimed that God gave a revelation to practice plural marriage, even though the Book of Mormon prohibits it. And I'm still questioning (laughs) that deal. But anyway, polygamy is a hard life for most of the polygamists, and women submit to polygamy, I believe, only because they're convinced it's God's will. But if they discovered that it was not God's will, it would sure be interesting to know how many of them would walk away from their polygamous lifestyle and never look back. If we can show them that the Book of Mormon is suspect and that the claims of Joseph Smith are not credible, perhaps more and more people who are in the polygamous Mormon faith will search for the truth and embrace Jesus Christ instead of Joseph Smith. To that end, we do these programs. This time we're challenging the credibility of the Book of Mormon witnesses. Every Book of Mormon presents a signed statement by 11 witnesses validating the book. However, many of those witnesses later accused Joseph Smith of adultery and other crimes and left the LDS Church. Now, the argument is that even though they left, none of them ever denied the church or denounced it. But why would they leave if they really believed the alleged miracles and revelations were truly from God? So how accurate, valid, and trustworthy are their testimonies? Was it for the sake of finances or relationship or friendship and reputation that they even agreed to be witnesses? The links on the screen will take you to some interesting information about the witnesses to the Book of Mormon and gives historical references as to why their witnesses should be doubted and challenged and ultimately rejected. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, mormonthink.com, utlm.org, beggarsbread.org, Uh, mrm.org and irr.org are all wonderful websites. They have all the historical quotes. Yeah, I use them all the time. uh, They are so good, and we thank all those who have done so much work to put all that together. But we urge our viewers to check things out for accuracy because your eternity is what's at stake, and those stakes are high. Some of the reasons that the testimony given by the 11 witnesses are suspect Yeah, when you really think about it, all of the 11 witnesses were related either by blood or by business interests. For example, Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery were cousins. Joseph Smith Sr. was Joseph Smith's father, of course. The Whitmers were former business associates of the Smith family, and there were a lot of those Mm -hmm. in the witnesses. And Hiram Page was married to a Whitmer sister, Catherine. And Martin Harris, of course, probably the one being duped, was financially <laughs> invested in the success of the Book of Mormon. He put up his farm. He right? put up the, mm-hmm. yeah, he did. So Joseph Smith's father and two brothers were three of the 11 witnesses. Oliver Cowdery was a distant cousin to Joseph Smith, and the four Whitmers were brother, the four witness, Whitmers were brothers <laughs> to David Whitmer. So that reeks of nepotism right there and cast uh-huh. doubt. 
Now, MormonThink.com states that many of the 11 witnesses ended up leaving the church and following other religions. And by 1847, not a single one of the surviving 11 witnesses was part of the LDS church. That's strange, don't you think? If they really believed Joseph Smith was a prophet of God, they would have stayed with it. And most of them believed that Joseph Smith was a fallen prophet and that he changed doctrines and revelations against God's will. Now, a man by the name of William McClellan had been an apostle, but he left the church, and this is what he later said about Joseph Smith. Yeah, this was in the Tribune in 1875. It was a favorite practice with him, Joseph Smith, when half drunk to preach a Mormon sermon. When visited by any of the saints or a stranger, he invariably asserted the truth of his testimony, but among his friends privately, he admitted that it was all a bottle of smoke. <laughs> now, we've Ever heard that phrase before. <laughs> we've read these kinds of things in, from different sources, right. and so, you know, you have to believe that it really happened because there's so many different people who say he said he something said to, that, that, to same, that effect. To that effect, yeah. But we're going to focus on only the three main witnesses, Oliver Cowdery, Martin Harris, and David Whitner, because they are the most well-known, and we're going to discover why they were not credible, reliable, or uh, objective witnesses. Part of their testimony, which is at the front of every Book of Mormon, says this. And we also testify that we have seen the engravings which are upon the plates, and they have been shown unto us by the power of God and not of man. And we declare with words of soberness that an angel of God came down from heaven And he brought and laid before our eyes that we beheld and saw the plates and the engravings thereon. And we know that it is by the grace of God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ that we beheld and bear record that these things are true. So that's part of this testimony that they supposedly signed. Now, readers of the Book of Mormon are made to think that the witnesses physically saw and touched and lifted the gold plates when in fact they did not. They later said they didn't. They later clarified that it was with spiritual eyes, uh, not physical eyes, that they saw the plates. And when they did lift them, they were covered with a cloth. They were exactly seven other, there were actually seven other witnesses, not one of the 11 and not any of the three, but seven other witnesses who claimed that it was Solomon Spalding who wrote the Book of Mormon. And about these seven other witnesses we quote. In some ways they are more credible than the Book of Mormon witnesses as they each wrote their own account instead of merely signing a prepared statement There are people that signed affidavits stating that Sidney Rigdon admitted to them that he used the Spalding Manuscript to make the Book of Mormon. And there's a lot of uh, information about that uh, that you can follow up with as well. Fellow Mormons said that Martin Harris and Cowdery and Whitmer were of questionable character. And Joseph Smith himself later said that these three men were too mean to mention and better off left forgotten. (laughs) So if these men were too mean mean to mention, why should they be witnesses to the Book of Mormon? And why should it be acceptable? Now, another reason that we should question the witnesses. Yeah, Brigham Young said this, I guess, <laughs> in the Journal of Discourses. All three denied the Latter-day Saint faith at some point, converting to other religions. This was confirmed by Brigham Young, who in 1859 said, Some of the witnesses of the Book of Mormon who handled the plates and conversed with the angels of God were afterward left to doubt and to disbelieve that they had ever seen an angel. 
So we can doubt and disbelieve it as yeah, well, right? Sure if they can. did. All of the three witnesses were eventually excommunicated from the Mormon church. So we are going to briefly take a look at these three men and, and behind each one of them and find out the truth about them, at least part. We don't have time to do right. a, an in-depth one, but at least bring up some truths about each one. And we're going to begin with Martin Harris. So Martin Harris was known for being very unstable religiously over his lifetime. He changed his religious affiliation over 13 times. Wow. Before joining Mormonism, Martin Harris was first a Quaker, then a Universalist, then a res Restorationist, then a Baptist, and then a Presbyterian from E.D. Howe's Mormonism Unveiled. And after Mar Martin Harris was ex after Martin Harris's excommunication from the Mormon Church in 1837, he changed his religion eight more times, going from the Shakers to one Mormon splinter group to the next, and back to the main group in 1842. So that, that kind of makes you question what was going on in his mind. That's right. Um, the Mormon publication, The Millennial Star, affirms that while he was in England, he actually preached to LDS members as a follower and advocate of James Strang. Yeah, so that's <laughs> one of the possible uh, successors to Joseph Smith, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. The Millennial Star, Volume 8, also st stated that Martin Harris and a few other men had, quote, a lying, deceptive spirit <clears throat> with them that they were of their father the devil and the wrath of God is upon them, end quote, from the Millennial Star. Now, that's not a very good character reference in anyone's estimation. They accused him of having a lying spirit. So was he lying when he witnessed the Book of Mormon? Take the knife out of your back. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> with you. mm -hmm. So uh, Phineas Young wrote from Kirtland, Ohio, there are in this place of all kinds of teaching. Martin Harris is a firm believer in Shakerism, says his testimony is greater than it was for the Book of Mormon. Wow. Mm. Oh, and, and I'm sorry. And in the Elder's Journal for August of 1838, Joseph Smith denounced Martin Harris as so far beneath contempt that to notice him would be too great a sacrifice for a gentleman to make. The church exerted some restraint on him, but now he has given loose to all kinds of abominations, lying, cheating, swindling, and all kinds of debauchery. And finally, um, like David Whitmer, Martin Harris later testified that he did not see the plates literally with his physical eyes. He said he saw the plates with the eyes of faith and not with the natural eyes. Okay, so that I'd never heard of this second sight or something they call that, right? And he said, it wasn't like I see a pencil here yeah. on the table. It's I see it with my spiritual eyes. I guess we could all close our eyes and imagine is, what we're looking at. Is that what it is, just imagination? I think so. I think you just close your eyes and pray for spirit, but <laughs> I can picture plates right now, you know, mm -hmm, close your eyes. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's what they... That's probably what it was. Uh, now, of course, mo most people don't know that Martin Harris was known as an unstable, gullible, and superstitious person. But in John Carr's letter in 1840, he writes that Harris claimed he met the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh. That Jesus walked alongside of him for two or three miles in the shape of a deer. He also claimed to have seen the devil and described him as a sleek-haired fellow with four feet and a head like that of a jackass. You can find this on mormonthink.com. But the Bible never describes the devil that way, only that he cloaks himself as an angel of light. Mm. Harris's imagination seems to be over the top. 
Now, Martin Harris was described by others as having supernatural appearances, apparitions, ghosts, a great man for seeing spooks, and a visionary fanatic. Now, could someone like that be a trusted and truthful witness about something as important as many people hold the Book of Mormon to be? Very questionable, isn't it? <laughs> Next, we're going to look at David Whitmer. Is he a reliable witness? He wrote a, an address to all believers mm -hmm. in Christ, and on page 27 he said, David Whitmer said in 1887, If you believe my testimony to the Book of Mormon, if you believe that God spake to us three witnesses by his own voice, then I tell you that in June 1838 God spake to me again by his own voice from the heavens and told me to separate myself from among the Latter-day Saints. So does God just keep changing his mind over and over again? Well, he's just saying, by... if you believe this and believe me that, uh, that I was told to leave. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, so that, that, uh, the Book of Mormon and the Bible describes God's character as being unchangeable. That's right. Now, David Whitmer was also subjective to personal experiences that he called miraculous. Once he, <laughs> this is a crazy story, this is funny. he plowed a field faster than he ever had plowed it before to everyone's amazement. And so he concocted the story that angels came and helped him finish <laughs> plowing the field. Well, about this story, someone said that it only seemed faster because Whitmer was not normally given to hard <laughs> labor, but this time he actually finished the job he started. That's funny. Another man, or another time, Whitmer claimed that he offered a ride to a man who was taking a stroll. But but the man declined the ride and then vanished into thin air. He later told the story to Joseph Smith, and he said it was Moroni. Well, now, how would he know? He wasn't there. Mormonthink.com has that story. My question is seeing Jesus as a deer and seeing things that disappear and all of that. Jesus doesn't come down like a deer. No. That's ludicrous yeah. to even believe something like that. Very strange. Oh, yeah. David Whitmer belonged to at least three Mormon splinter groups at different times, but he died in opposition to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That is, the original church started by Joseph Smith, as well as what later became today's Brighamite denomination of that church. <laughs> and like Martin Harris, David Whitmer later testified that he did not see the plates literally with his physical eyes. He told Theodore Turley that the plates were shown to him by a supernatural power. Mm -hmm. Later, Turley asked him why the translation is not now true. Interesting. Yeah, and he said, I cannot read it. And so I do not know whether it's true or not. He recognized that there was a, a, a need to have supporting original document to wow. prove. Yeah. And that's true. That you do need true. to have that. Now, all the websites that we, have, uh, that we list have footnotes and historical references to help you do your own research on these things. Whitmer changed his story about seeing the plates when he later said that he found them lying in a field. And then later he told Orson Pratt that they were on a table with all sorts of brass plates and gold plates and the sort of Laban and the Urim and Thummim and other items. Mm. So he has quite the imagination yes, as well. And then he left Mormonism for something better. Yeah, during the summer of 1837, while in Kirtland, David Whitmer pledged his new loyalty to a prophetess, as did Martin Harris and Oliver Cowdery, who used a black seer stone and danced herself into trances. Now, this is interesting, isn't it? 
his association with the prophetess was the beginning of the end in, in Mormonism for Whitmer. In 1847, he told Oliver Cowdery that he was to be the prophet of the new Church of Christ, oh and Cowdery would be his counselor. <laughs> well, he was excommunicated yeah, from the Mormon Church. Now, because of their change of mind, Whitmer and Cowdery needed to find a safe place to take their families. And while they were away looking for that safe place, their families were driven into the streets and robbed by the Mormons. Really? I don't now, know that. that's loving your neighbor, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Whitmer was cursed by Mormon leaders, and he was denounced by Joseph Smith. He never returned to the LDS Church, but joined splinter groups that denied and denounced wow. the original Latter-day Saint Church. Whitmer went to his grave, denying his testimony of Joseph Smith as a true prophet of God, but still affirmed his testimony of the Book of Mormon, which sounds kind of strange yeah. to me. Yeah, Unstable, perhaps, <laughs> is the word. So let's look at Oliver Cowdery. He was excommunicated from yeah. the Mormon Church and joined the Methodist Church. We quote from OliverCowdery.com. Oliver Cowdery, united with a gang of counterfeiters, thieves, liars, and backlegs of the deepest dye to deceive, cheat, and defraud the saints, President Sidney Rigdon, 1838. Well, well, we start right out with a good character <laughs> reference there, don't we? Counterfeiters, thieves, and liars. <laughs> the Mormon Church accused Oliver Cowdery of adultery, and he claimed he, David Whitmer, and another Mormon leader, Lyman E. Johnson, had joined a gang of counterfeiters, <laughs> thieves, liars, and blacklegs. <laughs> in a private letter to his brother Warren in 1838, Oliver Cowdery accused Joseph Smith of adultery with Fanny Alger and with lying and teaching false doctrine. Yeah. Of course, Joseph Smith denied denied the adultery with Fanny and then turned around and charged Cowdery with being a liar. <laughs> you can read about this in History of the Church, Volume 3. But it was Joseph Smith who was lying about Fanny Alger and Cowdery who was telling the truth about his affair with her. LDS uh, Church has whitewashed his affair with Fanny by calling her his first spiritual wife, thinking <laughs> that would erase the stigma of adultery, yeah. which of course... <laughs> It might in human eyes, but, but God, not in God's not eyes. In God's eyes. No. Subsequently, Cowdery was excommunicated for this and other crimes. By the way, Fanny Alger was only 16 years old at that time. Wow. And so, um, you know, we're looking at some pedophilia some, early right. on in, in their career. Right. And, um, and she worked in the Smith home, too. Didn't he, she she worked in the yeah. Smith home, and Oliver Cowdery knew something was wrong with this. You know, just he yeah. just knew that it was. Uh, and so, of course, he was later excommunicated. But then later, as a Methodist, he denied the Book of Mormon. So he did deny the Book of Mormon. And you can read about that in the Times and Seasons uh, and also in the Improvement Era. Um, MormonThink.com has something Cowdery said. Yeah, Cowdery once said, I wrote with my own pen the entire Book of Mormon, save a few pages, as it fell from the lips of the prophet Joseph, as he translated it by the gift and power of God, by the means of the Urim and Thummim, or as it is called by the book, Holy Interpreters. I beheld with my eyes and handled with my hands the gold plates from which it was transcribed. I also saw with my eyes and handled with my hands the Holy Interpreters. That book is true. Okay, now this is um, a testimony. Right. outside of the Book of Mormon, that the sure. Book of Mormon was true in what he did. And yet, we have a character 
of, of, of this man and these other three men as well, that makes you wonder if you can trust anything they say. Well, for sure. I mean, they, uh, they question, and then, and then leaving the church. I mean, if, again, Joseph Smith was really a prophet and yeah. had that communication with God. You'd think you'd hang on to that and stick with him. A, a question that I have is, if you were, had known these things when you were still in the Mormon church and you knew the character of these three men, what, how would your reaction well, be? Well, I knew that they were all excommunicated. But, but did I, you know all of this stuff? No, no, I didn't know the, some of the details, but I... I didn't know about spiritual eyes or second sight or whatever they call that. that yeah. you, but I did know that they'd been excommunicated, and I just figured that. I mean, there were other apostles that were excommunicated as well. I didn't realize they were challenging Joseph Smith as a prophet with his polygamy or his bank failures or, mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. else. They, reasons that they learned that he was really not a true yeah. prophet. I figured he was a prophet and so yeah. and then and then we were happy that some of them came back when they did, you know. Some <laughs> of them got rebaptized or were forgiven their sins or something. So Yeah. But I didn't Repentance, know those, didn't yeah. know these details. Yeah, the, well the characters that we're reading about them being black black legs and robbers and <laughs> questionable character and all that about um the translating that you just this quote that you just quoted how he talked about how he was involved with the quote unquote translation process we now know and the LDS church has finally admitted that it was all done by Joseph Smith's head in a hat reading from a rock that there weren't gold plates so this testimony itself cannot be true that's true yeah it can't be true questionable yeah so that proves the questionable uh, <laughs> testimony right there how can we trust the testimony uh, of a changeable and contradictory nature according to charles shook cowdery later confessed publicly uh, his sorrow and his shame for his connection with mormonism yeah oliver cowdery <clears throat> was publicly charged by joseph smith with stealing lying perjury, counterfeiting, adultery, and being the leader of a gang of scoundrels of the deepest degree. That was by Joseph Smith. Wow. He was named among those that Joseph Smith said was too mean to mention, and it would be better <laughs> off to have forgotten them. Wipe their name off the, the record. <laughs> and, the but church. they're in the front of the Book of Mormon as, yeah, as establishing true. supposedly its credibility. And from the website Beggar's Bread, we quote, Oliver Cowdery died claiming that the Book of Doctrine and Covenants must be discarded. This was a stance that he first publicly articulated in an address to all believers in Christ in 1887 and never wavered from until his death a year later. See David Whitmer's uh, address to all believers in Christ. Now this is dealing with the Doctrine and Covenants, not the Book of Mormon of which right. he was the witness, right. but he's already decried the Book of Mormon and now he's saying the Doctrine and Covenant is not to be paid any attention to either. <laughs> of course, there's so much of the Doctrine and Covenants that contradicts the Book of Mormon. Yeah, and and we'll or at start. Least has doctrines that aren't included. For well, sure. the Book of Mormon condemns David and Solomon's polygamy, and the Doctrine and Covenants. Section one thirty two says yeah. it's okay. Yeah, it said yeah. it was justified it was, because of right. it. Yeah, they, they were blessed because of their polygamy. So, yeah, and there's a lot in the Doctrine and Covenants that's like that, and that's what they probably what he meant when he said that Joseph Smith changes the doctrines and revelations yeah. of God. Yeah. So, stated plainly, someone said, with witnesses like this, who needs enemies? <clears throat> now, 
there are many problems with the stories of the 11 witnesses and specifically of the three witnesses. But these three men seem to change their stories in their mind frequently and change their religions frequently. And they were given to spiritual dramas that stretches the imagination beyond even biblical proportions. Contradictory stories at different times cast doubt on their honesty, on their integrity, and at the very least, their discernment. In closing, we want to quote from the MRM.org webpage. It seems foolish to take the testimony of the witnesses at face value if there is further information available that helps us to understand how certain key words were understood and used by the writer or speaker. For example, if a person took the stand in a courtroom and said he saw the defendant use a gun to steal another person's wallet, such an account would tend to carry significant weight with the jury. However, if the same person said he saw the defendant in a vision using a gun to steal a wallet, the strength of that testimony is incredibly weakened. Why? Because rational people do not equate visionary experiences with tangible physical objects. And that is very good. We can't add to that. It's, it's a perfect description of how we can determine credibility. Well, one of the interesting stories about the, uh, the three witnesses, at least the way it was portrayed in what I'd read in Mormonism, was that uh, the three of them were there praying with Joseph Smith, and uh, Martin Harris couldn't get the uh, desired vision. And so uh, Oliver Cowdery and David Whitmer did with Joseph Smith. And so Martin Harris felt like it was his sin nature that was keeping the angel from coming and mm. doing his mm -hmm. thing. So he went off to the side and Joseph Smith eventually went over with him and then they prayed together and the angel supposedly came then to, mm. to Martin Harris. Mm. So I think it got to the point where they were just... Um, talking themselves into whatever it was that they, they saw or experienced. They can very easily do that. Or, yeah, and close your eyes. And do that. Can you see the plates? You Get know, in the emotion of the, the thing. Emotion and, and, and like, again, the spiritual eyes rather mm -hmm. than a physical experience. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. the, the four of them are saying, well, yeah, you saw it, didn't you? Didn't you see it? Didn't you see it? And well, the, I could see it. And yeah, they're, they're see not going to say, if they didn't, they're no. not going to say, no, you no. guys did, but I didn't. So, yeah, yeah no, they're going to admit yeah. they, yeah. Well, it's all very interesting, and so we just uh, <laughs> thought we would take this and let you do your own research. The Bible says, test all things and hold on to that which is good. Yeah. And so test this. Test what we just said to you. Thank you. Thank yeah, you, Earl. Thank you. If your eternity is wrapped up in the claims of Mormonism, it is your responsibility to check it out and discover truth or error in the very foundation of its claims. We suggest that you rid yourself of everything that hangs on the claims of Joseph Smith and just turn to the simplicity and power of salvation that's in Jesus Christ alone. Different groups of Mormonism preach against relying upon the arm of flesh, yet that's precisely what they all do. They rely on the arm of flesh when they embrace Joseph Smith, when they trust their group or their prophet or their leaders or even their own family. Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we are all lost until Jesus finds us. So let Jesus find you. And then you can let go of the arm of flesh and be eternally safe and sound in the arms of Jesus. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. 
Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.